All right, uh, most of you know this, but we're uh, going through Mark right now as a church. So we're just going passage by passage, coming through Mark, and this is where we land today, Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I just want to remind you of the sovereignty of God who knew that we'd be right here at this passage and knew that you'd be sitting in the seat that you're in. So God is sovereign, and this is where we're at today. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, just you've told us that truth. And I just ask you, God, that you would exalt it today. As we read your word, as I preach your word, God, that you would exalt the truth that your word is alive, it's powerful. God, I need your help. God, you've made it clear that Without you, without your help, I can do nothing, and I believe it, Lord. And God, every person here, everybody in this room needs your help, God. We can't hear your word properly without your help. So help us, God. God, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray, God, I ask you, Lord, that you would build us up. God, you, you've told us to pray for laborers to be sent out into your harvest. And I just ask you, Lord, that from these, these verses that you have us in today, Lord, that, that, that you would raise up laborers in this church. Just as my brother pray, prayed earlier, God, I just pray that you'd raise up laborers by this church. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4. I've been highly, highly encouraged by studying this passage. We're going to be from verse 26 to, ver- to verse 34. Let's read it. We'll start off reading it, and then we'll go from there. Verse 26, read along with me. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them and as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Praise the Lord. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off. You see, uh, if you have a sheet there at the top, it says alone with his disciples and explaining all things. I want to start there. We're going to actually start on these last two verses. Okay, so in these last two verses, let me let me just read them again real quick. With many such parables, so this, he just told a couple parables, and then he says here, with many such parables, just like that, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them, and then something happened with Jesus' disciples. When they were alone, you see it right there in the text, when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples, okay? So Dustin, last week, as we, as we went through, um, you know, this, this chapter, chapter 4, verse 1 through 34, is really four parables just kind of back to back to back okay now 
now, Dustin explained why Jesus was coming out and, and he began to preach parables, okay? He explained that. So what I want to zone in on is that last phrase right there. It says, when they were alone, the disciples of Jesus, when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And I just want to, I just want to present something to you. How kind is that of Jesus? How kind of Jesus when he, he just gets alone with these guys and he says he starts explaining all these things to them. How, we, we should be amazed by this of the kindness of Jesus. This is all the captain of our salvation. And he pulls his disciples aside and he gets alone with them and he begins to explain stuff to them. This is amazing. OK, now, you know that Jesus still does this with his disciples today. Do you know that? I just want this to be in your mind, the kindness and the grace of God, the grace of Jesus that he would pull you aside as his disciple and he would let you be alone with him and he would teach you and he would explain things to you. Listen, listen to some other verses that show this characteristic of Jesus. Revelation 3.20, you don't have to flip there, but Revelation 3.20 says, behold, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock and whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will, and I will dine with him. Doesn't that sound kind and compassionate of Jesus to do that with his disciples? And this is the kind of stuff he does. Listen to Matthew 6, 6. He says, you, when you pray, when you pray, go, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret. And you, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Getting in a solitary place with the Lord. And he still allows his disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus here? Well, he still allows you to do that. To walk into a secret place and be alone with God. John 14, 21, Jesus said this. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus said, you love me, I will love you and I will manifest myself. I'll reveal myself to you. You know, he still does that. How kind is that? How compassionate is that for Jesus to be like this? I, I want to encourage you. That's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And to never neglect that. If the Lord has kicked open the door for you to be alone with him, for you to know him, for you to hear his voice, for you to pray to him. If he's done that, never neglect it. Let the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. There's a story about Mary and Martha. Let it, let it be a warning to you. When you read that story, you've got Mary sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to his word. And you think Jesus was pleased with that? Yes, because he because he looked at her and said, she's doing the one thing needful. She's alone. She's alone with Christ. She's, she's, or she's right there with Christ. Just listen to his word at his feet. But then you have Martha who's off serving, doing certain things. And maybe you could hear her say, well, I can hear him. I can hear what he's teaching, but she's busy doing other things. OK, and I'm talking about undistracted time with the Lord Jesus Christ, Un undistracted time with God. Never neglect it. This is something that's been kicked wide open for us as his disciples. Just like you see right here in verse 33 and 34. He was alone with his disciples and he explained all things to them. One way you can think about getting the most. How can you get the most out of these teachings and this preaching that goes on every week? How can you get the most out of this? When you get alone by yourself with God, with your own Bible, and you open his word and you by yourself eat the word of God, you by yourself crying out to God. That's how you get the most out of these times together. The church that only listens to preaching and never learns to eat the word of God themselves is a weak church. Do you get alone with Jesus every day? As we read this in verse 33 and 34, okay, I want you to think about this. This has been open to you as a disciple of Christ. Do you get alone with Jesus? 
Do you make time to be in His Word? Make time to be in prayer. Listen to, listen to James 4.8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That's an awesome promise. He says, draw near, come near. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Let me give you another one that's less known. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34 says this. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who listens to me. Who watches daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. You got a visual in your mind? Somebody that daily, it says, listens to the Lord, watching daily at his gates, waiting at the post of his doors, just want him to come out, want to hear from the Lord in his word, want to cry out to him. And how powerful of a thing, as you think about disciples right here, disciples getting along with the Lord, how powerful of a thing would it be if every person that's a part of Grace Community Church was spending a long time in communion with the Savior every day? How powerful would that be? Jesus, the creator of the universe. If you are a disciple, the doors kick wide open for you to be alone with him. Your savior, the one who died for you, the one who laid down his life for your sins. It's just kicked wide open for you to spend time with him. The king who's going to return one day and call his people to himself and destroy the wicked. And you get the king and you get, a, you get an opportunity through the blood of Christ to be alone with him. And you can do that on a daily basis. Now we're going to talk a lot. Our main focus of these parables we're going to get into is going to be talking about the, the kingdom of God advancing, serving God, uh, uh, serving the Lord as in expanding the kingdom of God. We're going to be talking about a lot of things like that. Okay, But I want to encourage you from the front end. This is the reason why I started in the last two verses. I want to encourage you that your service to God will be powerless if you don't spend time with Him. If you don't get along with the Lord, your service to God, your advancing of His kingdom like we're about to talk about will be powerless. Just listen one more time. Listen to the tenderness of Jesus in these words. Listen to this. And when they were alone, you picture it? He's preaching these parables. But when they were alone, when they were alone, He explained all things to His disciples. Listen to the love, the kindness. When they were alone, when He got alone to His disciples, he explained all things to him. You hear the love of Jesus in that? All right, here's what I want to do. Now, as I said, these, these four parables, okay? If you go from chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 34, it's, it's four parables here kind of laid out for us. And really the second one can, is pretty much a part of the first parable, but you'll see that as we talk. And Dustin taught on that last week, okay? But we have four parables here. Now, there's, there's a theme that runs through all four of these parables that I want you to, I want to talk about for just a minute. It's the kingdom of God. Okay, the, king, the, the kingdom of God is a theme that runs through all of these parables, including the third one, verse 26 through 29, which we're on today, and verse 30 through 32, which we're going to explain today. The kingdom of God. Now you see that in the verses like chapter 4, verse 11. After he gives this parable, he says, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The two parables that we're looking at today, it starts off by saying the kingdom of God is as if a, okay, the kingdom of God. See the same thing in verse 30? To what should we liken the kingdom of God? This is a theme that runs through these parables, the kingdom of God. And you can look at, I've got a lot of your verses listed there on that sheet. Even in Matthew chapter 13, which is the other place where these parables are laid out, you can go back and look at those. I have a lot of verses there. We're not going to go there today. So the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? 
What is the kingdom of God? And when you think of the kingdom of God, now I'm going to say a lot right here. I'm going to say a few things, and then I'm going to mention a bunch of scripture to you. I encourage you, unless you're a fast flipper, you may not want to flip to all these. You can write them down. But I just want to say a lot right here, and then I want you to just circle it all in your mind. Just circle it and say, when I think kingdom of God, I think these things. The kingdom of God. And we're about to head in that direction. When you think kingdom of God, I'm talking about King Jesus King Jesus and his expanding kingdom. This is a major theme that runs through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. King Jesus and his expanding kingdom. Jesus is the king of all. This is the idea. He's the kingdom of God. He's the king of all. He's the king of heaven and earth. He's a king of, of everything. All people. Everywhere. In all nations. He is the king. He's the king of angels. And his kingdom is expanding. Okay, It's expanding as in wicked People like us are being yanked out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into his kingdom. And they're, they're no longer the people that are wicked. They're the sons and daughters of, of God. This is what's happening. The kingdom, King Jesus, and an expanding kingdom. Okay? Now, this theme, like I said, is all the way through the Bible. Just let the word of God serve you right here. Okay? Let it serve you. I'm just going to mention a lot of verses. Starting in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3.15. Okay, I want you to think about this. Think kingdom of God with me. God creates all things. Man rebels against God. We rebel against Him. That's in chapter 3. And as you read through chapter 3, just a few verses after man rebels against, against God, you have these awesome words. It's like the first gospel. It's chapter 3, verse 15. And this is where God looks at Satan, the one who tempted them. The one who tempted them. And He looks at, he looks at Satan and He says this, I will put enmity between you and this woman. Between her seed and your seed. Okay, her seed being Christ. Because then it says her seed and he, he, her seed, will crush your head and you will crush his heel. Do you see that? You see a, a, a war declared? Two kingdoms right there. You got the kingdom of the seed of the woman and he's going to crush the head of, of the, the seed of the serpent. Do you see that right there? So think about it right off the bat. Think of two kingdoms. Uh, they're at war right now. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your, your heel, but excuse me, you, he will crush his head and, and you will crush his heel. Do you see that? Now, as you, as you unfold this, he just told Eve, okay? God just told Eve that, that through her seed, through her lineage is going to come a Christ, a one who's going to crush the head of the serpent, crush Satan's head. And then you take the rest of the Old Testament, it starts to unfold. You've got genealogies in there, and it just starts to unfold who this Christ is. His lineage from Adam and Eve has children who have children who have children, and eventually you're going to get to the Christ. Well, in between that, and we've talked about this at times, you have different things that open up to you about who this Christ is going to be. One of those is Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, where he's from Judah and he's called a king. He's called a king. Listen to this, Genesis 49, 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter, that's a king. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. To him shall be the obedience of the people. So here's, here's Jacob. You got Abraham, Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons. And one of those sons is Judah. And he's, and he's putting these blessings over these sons, right? And he comes to Judah and he says to Judah, the scepter will never leave Judah. 
In other words, there's going to be a king that comes from his lineage and he will always be king. And it's interesting because they're just a family at the time. Can you imagine that? They're not even a nation yet. They're just Jacob and his 12 sons and their sons. And he says, the scepter will never depart from Judah. He calls him a king right off the bat. So this is the feeling you get as you're reading through the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. And you're getting this idea that there's a king coming. There's one coming that's going to crush Satan's head. He's a king. He has a scepter and he will always have it. And then you keep reading this. This lineage keeps getting unfolded. And it gets unfolded and you're, you're tracing the line of Christ until it comes to Jesus in the New Testament. And in between where we're at in Genesis and there, you've got King David. King David is a part of the lineage. And you get to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13. And God tells David, there's an eternal king coming through your lineage. There's an eternal king. Listen to it. He says, I will set up your seed. Speaking to David, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. You hear that? His kingdom. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David, there's coming one through you and I'm going to establish the throne of his kingdom. He's going to be a king and he's going to be king forever. There's been kings on this earth, but they die. But they said this king coming is going to be eternal. Now, so much so that David has sons who have sons who have sons. And eventually there's these group of sons and they're very wicked. They're very wicked people. And, and what do you think God would do at that time? You think he would cut off the lineage? Listen to 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 19. This is what he says in response to these wicked sons. Yet the Lord, the Lord would not destroy Judah. They're wicked. I wonder why he wouldn't destroy them. Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of his servant David, as he promised him to give a lamp to him and his sons forever. So there's this king coming. He's coming through the line of David. Here comes this king. And then you keep coming through the scriptures. Okay, we're going to Genesis and we're walking through. You get to Psalms. Psalm 2 talks about a king. This is quoted in the New Testament. This psalm, Psalm Psalm 2, is actually quoted in the New Testament. And here's a piece of that psalm. Yet I've set my king, my king on my holy hill of Zion. And this king is also called the begotten son. And he says, you must kiss the son. You must bow down and pay homage and kiss the feet of this son lest you come under his wrath. The King Jesus is coming. Psalm 45, same thing. This is quoted in the New Testament as well. And it speaks of the coming Christ like a king. Listen to Psalm 45. Your throne, O God, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. He's a king. You get into the major prophets. And there's even some very familiar verses like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Very familiar verse, but sometimes people don't make the connection that this is talking about a coming king. Listen to Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This child is coming. Christ, a son that is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And listen to this. Listen to his kingship. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne, the throne of David and over his kingdom. This son that would be born would be a king. Jeremiah 23 verse 5 and 6 does the exact same thing. Listen to the the kingship of Jesus. Behold, the days are coming. It's coming in the future is what Jeremiah is saying. 
is coming. The days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up to David a branch of righteousness. Think of David and think of a family tree. And off that comes a branch. He says, I'm going to raise up to David a branch, a branch of righteousness, a king. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be be called the Lord, our righteousness. King Jesus is coming, says Jeremiah. Even in the minor prophets, Micah chapter five, verse two, listen to what he says. You, Bethlehem. By the way, that's where Jesus was born, right? He says, you, Bethlehem. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, out of you, Bethlehem, it's a prophecy from the minor prophets, out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forward to me the one to be ruler over Israel. He says, whose goings forth are from of old, from of everlasting. He says, from you, Bethlehem's coming one who's going to be king. And by the way, he's from everlasting because he's always been God and he's coming in the flesh. King Jesus is what we're talking about. Then you get to the New Testament, and we've said this many times. You get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you're supposed to be going, yes, the King has arrived. King Jesus is here. The one they've been talking about the whole time. Here's King Jesus, the New Testament. And the Magi come, and and they're looking for a king. They come from the east. They're actually looking for a king after Jesus has been born. Listen to Matthew 2.2. Where is he who has been born King, King of the Jews, for he has, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then you see Jesus preaching. He gets older now. He preaches Matthew four seventeen, and he preaches the kingdom of God is at hand. The king has arrived. The kingdom of God is at hand. His disciples knew that he was the king. That's why some of them were asking Jesus, "Can we be? Can we be on your right and your left when you come into your kingdom?" Remember that. His disciples knew that he was the king. Pontius Pilate asked him this. He asked him if he was king. Okay, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And I love this. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, it is as you say. Yes, is the answer. Yes, I'm the king. Okay, so what he said, I am the king. And then Jesus goes on to explain that his kingdom is otherworldly. It's not of this world. It's otherworldly. And he came to this earth to die for the sins of a people and bring them into this kingdom. Listen to what he says. This is John 18, 36. Jesus answered, speaking to Pilate. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And then Pilate says this. He just doesn't get it. Listen, are you a king then? (laughs) Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. I was born. You say rightly I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. The thief on the cross knew that he was a king. While he hung on the cross, he looks at him and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's the king, King Jesus. King Jesus comes. He dies for our sins. He's crucified. He takes the death that we deserve to die. And then he rises up from the grave. 40 days later, ascends on high as king of all the earth. As king of heaven 
and earth. King of all. That's the kingdom of God. King Jesus is what we're talking about here. Then you get in the book of Acts. And we've kind of walked through, right? You get in the book of Acts and you start to see something happen. And people begin to preach. They begin to herald throughout. The, Jesus has ascended on high. And you have his people throughout the book of Acts. And it begins to spread. The kingdom of God begins to spread here. You have his people. They're heralding King Jesus. They're preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, Acts 17 verse 7 says this. Okay, this is, this is the enemies of Jesus looking at his disciples. And this is what they say. These are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Saying there is another king, Jesus. What were the disciples saying? There's another king other than Caesar. There's another king. His name is Jesus. The last verse of Acts, Acts 28, 31, you see Paul there and it says he's preaching the kingdom of God. And this unfolds throughout Acts. So you got throughout the book of Acts, throughout the rest of history, and even to this present day where we're at right now, you see the kingdom of God expanding and expanding and expanding. And it's not happening through land takeovers. The kingdom of God is expanding through the gospel in the hearts of men and women and bringing them into the kingdom of God and making them sons and daughters. Now, if you read Colossians 1.13, let me say this quickly. Colossians 1.13. This is what, the way he explains your salvation. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of Jesus. Do you see the two kingdoms and the war over the souls of men? You see that? When you think about the kingdom of God expanding, do you see in that verse, delivered out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of Jesus, there's a war between two kingdoms over the souls of men. And we were told from the very beginning that Christ was going to crush His head. A time is coming when King Jesus, who is ascended on high as Lord of all, will return and, and hold an account for all things. It will all be said and done when King Jesus returns. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end. Then comes the end. When He delivers the kingdom of God the Father to, to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. King Jesus returns and it's all said and done. Let me give you another one. Revelation 19, I love this verse. Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16. Listen to it. Listen to King Jesus. Now I saw in heaven, hear these words. Now I saw in heaven, I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written which no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has, a, he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King Jesus 
The kingdom of God expanding. People brought out of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So, so King Jesus has ascended on high and one day he will return. And what are we to do in between these times? What are we supposed to do? We as his servants, we as his, his soldiers, his servants, we are to expand, advance, be all about growing the kingdom of God. Why? For his glory, the glory of King Jesus, he's, he's worthy of it. And for the souls of lost people, because you love people and to be in the kingdom of darkness is a terrible thing. To be the kingdom of his son is a wonderful thing. So do you desire, do you desire to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God? Do you want that? Do you want to be a part of expanding the, the spreading the glory of King Jesus and expanding the kingdom of God? Do you want to be a part of that as his disciples? Well, these parables, and I'm coming back to these parables, everything I just said, just circle it. I want you to think kingdom of God. And these parables teach us how we function in the midst of this. These parables instruct us over the kingdom of God and our role and how we function in the midst of it. If you look at verse 30, chapter 4, verse 30 of Mark. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? Picture it. How do we picture the kingdom of God? That's what he's saying. The kingdom of God, what we're just talking about. He says, how do I picture it? And he gives you these parables or these pictures these illustrations that give us instruction on how we, to, we are to function in the midst of the kingdom of God as we seek to advance his kingdom. Now, how do these four parables do that? How do they do that? I'm going to give a quick of each one. I'm going to just give a quick little, little overview of each, each parable here. The first parable, Dustin taught on it, is the parable of the soils. It's verse 1 through 20. And what we see there, it helps us understand how different people are going to respond to the message of the kingdom. You have four different souls there. How do they respond? Who's in? Who's out? And Dustin taught on that last week. The second parable, or at least an extension of the first, is found in verse 21 through 25. It's about a lampstand. This should not be hidden. It should be, it's, or a lamp that should not be hidden, but should be put up on a lampstand. That's the idea. And what are we supposed to get from that parable about the kingdom of God? Helps us understand that Jesus is the light of the world and he is not to be hidden. He's to be put up on the highest lampstand you can find so that all can see the glory of Jesus. It's about kingdom expansion. It's about kingdom advancement, growing the kingdom of God. Then you get to the one we're in today, verse 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And now we're really getting into our role. We'll talk about that in a minute. Our role in advancing the kingdom of God. And then you get to verse 30. In verse 31, and it says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And we'll get there in a minute as well. And the whole idea is this kingdom will certainly, most certainly advance. It will most certainly grow. This is the idea. Now, I have a great desire as we get into these next two parables shortly. I have a great desire to, to I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want, I want us to have, I think, especially, I think of people that have tried to labor for the Lord. Maybe you've tried preaching the gospel or making disciples or as we've talked about those things and you've been discouraged over ministry. You've just been discouraged. You feel like I've tried and yet it just seems like no fruit has come from my labors. I want to encourage you. So be ready to receive that right now. I want to encourage you. I think that's the point of these parables is to encourage you, is to build you up. 
If you're struggling with that, okay, maybe you think, well, I just don't think God can use me. I want to encourage you. You say, I don't think God can use me to advance his kingdom. I'm too young in the faith. Or I'm too weak in the faith. Or I'm too inexperienced. Or I'm not talented enough. Or I'm not wise enough to be used to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not outgoing enough. I want to encourage you. I've been praying that God would, would allow me to do that. So let me encourage you with these parables. You know, Matthew chapter 9, you don't have to flip there. Matthew 9, 37. Jesus commanded me and all of us to pray this, that God, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the laborers are few. And therefore, Jesus said, so, so, so pray, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I've been praying that and I'm asking God, this is what this is what we're asking, asking God to raise up laborers among us. And maybe there's some of you that you've tried and you're discouraged in it. And I want to encourage you to be a laborer in the kingdom of God. Or maybe there's some of, some of you who are laboring. And I want to encourage you to go harder. To trust God in everything that these parables would encourage you in. Now let's start with a man scattering seed. Verse 26 through 29. Let's just read this passage right here, this parable, one more time. Listen, listen to the parable. You hear it. What are you supposed to learn out of this? Verse 26, listen. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Can you picture it? And should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seeds should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So what is our role? What's our role in advancing the kingdom of God? And he says, you're seed scatterers. You're seed distributors. You're seed sowers. There's a mystery to this. There, what's your role in advancing the kingdom of God? Well, there's a mystery to it right here. Do you see it? He said, he, said, he sows the seed and then he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and then something's growing. He goes, I don't even know how it happened. He says, he doesn't know how. At the end of verse 27, the farmer doesn't know how. He's put the seed down, and there's this mystery that happens. It just started growing. There's a mystery to it, and this mystery ought to cause us to do what we know to do. Scat, just scatter seeds. Just scatter seeds and trust God. Trust God. Don't let the mystery of it all, of advancing the kingdom of God, don't let the mystery of it all cause you to be paralyzed. There's a simplicity to it. Do you see that? There's a simplicity right here. He doesn't say, hey, your role in advancing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like rocket science. He didn't say that. He said it's like brain surgery. He says it's like, it's like a man sowing seeds. Just broadcasting seeds. It's like that. Anybody, that I'll encourage you, anybody can plant a seed. This should be an encouragement to you. The focus of this passage, of this parable, is not the sufficiency of man. You don't walk away from this parable going, that's a great farmer. You don't do that. The point of this passage is the power of the seed. It's the power of the seed. He plants it and he goes to sleep. We're all qualified to go to sleep. And he just puts the seed down goes to sleep, and God did something. He doesn't even know how. 
There's a simplicity to this. Do you see this? A simplicity is talking about the power of the seed. And that makes sense. The seed, the seed. Okay, do you know how powerful seed is? I, let me, there's a video. I'm just going to kind of present a video to you. It's called, I wrote it down, Journey of Life. It's a moody science video, Journey of Life. You ought to check that out. You love it. You go watch this video and it talks about how God has created seeds and how God has made it to where these, these uh, plants that, you know, one seed produces this plant or something and it has all the seeds on it and how God through different avenues distributes the seed all over the place through wind, you know, little uh, white frilly things and you see them floating all the time. That came off a plant somewhere and it's floating and if it hits good ground, something's going to grow there. And he just shows all these ways, animals running through, picking up seeds as they go, dropping them off somewhere else, birds eating them, eat the seeds, they fly somewhere and they, lack of a better word, they poop it out. And if it hits good ground, it grows, okay? Seed just getting scattered everywhere. And you should watch this video. This is how God designed it. If you read Genesis 1, God designed it this way. He designed, he designed these plants to have, it says in Genesis 1, have the seed within itself so that it can reproduce itself. And it's very powerful. Why do I say the seed, a seed is powerful? Just think of a watermelon with me. Okay? This will be the first time I ever talked about a watermelon up here. Watermelon. Take a little black seed, right? A little seed. And you look at that little seed, you think, what's this seed all about? What's the potential here? What's the potential? And you look at this seed, and if that seed goes into the ground... And this, this plant comes out, it's got all these little vines coming off of it, and a whole bunch of watermelons, whole watermelons just start popping up everywhere. And how many of those little black seeds are in each one of those watermelons? Hundreds. And in every one of those hundreds, that one little seed produced, and in every one of those hundreds of seeds, there's the potential for a whole new plant, a whole slew of watermelons. And then in every one of those hundreds and hundreds and thousands of seeds is a potential for more. Do you see the power, the potential, and the power in the seed? And that's the idea here, okay? This, in every seed, there is potential for mass multiplication. And right here, he says, what's your role? You're, you're like a man just scattering seeds. The power's in the seed. God did this. So think about this with me. How will you, you said you want to advance the kingdom of God. I hope you said that with me, okay? How will you advance the kingdom of God. How will you advance? What did you expect Jesus to say? Like, like David slaying Goliath. But he didn't say that. Or like Elijah calling down fire from heaven. But he didn't say that. What did he say? Like a man scattering seeds. Anybody can do that. That's the point. Anybody can scatter seeds. This parable feeds off of the first parable in verses 1 through 20. Okay, you know that because in, in verse 13, don't you think with me, in verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? How then do you understand all the parables? See, that first parable that Dustin taught on is foundational for this one. So, so if you do that, you can feed off of it. So what is the seed then? What is the seed here in chapter 4, verse 26? The kingdom of God is, 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 is if a man should scatter seed. What's the seed? Well, according to that first parable, the seed is the word of God. And specifically the gospel, the word of God, the word of the gospel. This parable is about the power of the word of God, the power of the word of the gospel. If you look at chapter 4, verse 14, listen, the sower sows the word. 
The sower, sowing seed, and he says that's the word. The sower sows the word is what it says right there. Luke 8, 11 says the word of God is a seed. The word of God is a seed. Okay, do you see this? So, so I want you to think with me, okay? If you look at the first parable that Dustin taught, you got four souls, four souls. And that last soul said, when seeds go down there in that last soil, he said, he said, fruit comes up. 30, 60, some 100 fold, just fruit comes. And you read that, and if you're reading that, that parable of the four souls from the angle of a laborer that wants to advance the kingdom of God, you're going, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I get seeds on that ground? I want to put seeds on that good ground that's going to bear that fruit. How do you do that? And the answer is right here in verse 26. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seeds. You don't know the souls. God knows the souls. He knows what's going on in the heart of a man. He knows what's going on in the heart of a woman. You just put the seeds out there and whatever happens tells you what kind of soul it is. You're just like, a, you don't have to figure out what kind of soul it is. You just scatter seeds. And when you find good soil, you just keep planting there. Now, this is important because I believe a lot of people don't scatter seeds because they're too busy trying to figure out what kind of soil it is. They're just trying to figure that out. And I'm saying, just drop the seed and you'll figure it out. Drop the seed of the word of God into the hearts of men and women and you'll find out what kind of soil is there. Too many people are waiting around for the perfect planting conditions. They're waiting around until it's just the perfect planting conditions, perfect circumstance. And that usually means they never drop the seed into the hearts of men, never drop the seed in the hearts of women. Listen to Ecclesiastes 11.4. Listen to this. Listen to this. He who observes the wind. You see it? Somebody look at the wind. He who observes the wind will not sow. Nothing wrong with looking at the wind, but you're looking at the wind and you're waiting on the perfect conditions and you never sow the seed. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. And this is a picture of somebody waiting for the perfect circumstance. They're just waiting for the perfect circumstance to, to, to sow the seed and they're looking at the, the clouds, they're looking at the wind, and so they never sow and they never reap. Listen as it keeps going. As you do not know the way of the wind. He says, you don't even know. He's trying to humble us. You don't even know the way of the wind. Just like others said, you don't understand the souls. God says, you don't know the way of the wind. Then he says, nor how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. You don't even know how the bones grow in the womb of a woman who's pregnant. So you don't even know. So God's trying to humble us here. So he says, he says, you're trying to figure out the wind and the clouds. And so you're not playing the seed, but you don't know even how the wind works. You don't even get that. He says, therefore, do what? Do what? In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, don't withhold your hand. Sow the seed. For you don't know which one will prosper. Either this one, the one in the morning, or that one, the one in the evening, or both. Both alike may be good. Just sow the seed is the idea. Plant seeds and don't be paralyzed by overanalyzing the soul. I, one, I'll say this quickly. One picture of this I would think would be my own salvation. Nobody would have looked at this soil, you know, before I was saved and thought, that's a good place to preach the word. Nobody would have ever done that. What about you? Anybody would have done that with you? And yet I can remember, I can remember just before I was saved, one of the things that, that opened my eyes to a judgment coming and it brought the fear of God on me that caused me to look for a savior was this little seed. It was this little verse. 
in the back of my mind, and, and the verse was, if anyone's an evil, they hate the light. And I had some people like that in my life that were light, and I hated them. And so God took that, and he used that seed. That I don't even know where it came from. I wasn't in church. I wasn't reading the Bible. I have no idea where this seed was planted. But somewhere down the line, the seed had been planted in me, and God used that to turn me to himself. Don't overanalyze the soil. There's another guy, I'll tell you this. Uh, he came to my house, this, this is about a year and a half ago. This guy came to my house. I won't say his name, but he came to my house. And uh, I began to talk to him. We're sitting across the table. And I'm talking to this guy. And uh, I, I think I asked him, uh, do you mind if I ask you if you uh, know the Lord? And he said, yeah. And I said, you mind if I ask you how you know that you're saved, that you know the Lord? And man, he got so awkward and it, and, and it just, it, it got heavy and my guy started blushing and he was blushing and it just, he just didn't, you know, he wasn't used to somebody asking him that question and he started getting like that. And, and I was not, I wish I could say, and so I was bold and I preached to God, but I didn't, I backed out and I started backpedaling. I'll get all this conversation. I'll get his number and talk to him later. Okay. That was my idea. Well, then that happened. So this did not look like good soil. This man I was looking at across the table, it did not look like good soil. But then we sit down for the Bible study. He, after he came to my house that night, we sit down for the Bible study. And, and the gospel was preached by the night by another brother. The gospel was preached. That guy got saved that night. Don't overanalyze the soul. Scatter the seeds. I, I can remember, I'll give you one more like this I think of. There was a guy that I was spending time with, probably for a year. And, I, and I've talked to him now, and this brother is not saved. I thought he was for a time, but he's not. He's openly against the Lord. Not saved. I was pouring in this guy. I was trying to scatter seeds, just scatter seeds as much as I could in, in, this, among, in this guy, you know? And I'm doing this. Well, here's this guy who is, he's not even saved right now. He's not saved. And yet he's a guy who had a massive impact in Nick Starkey's life. Nick Starkey comes around and here's this lost guy, but he's got this powerful seed. He's not even saved. And he starts sharing things that I'm sharing with him to Nick. And Nick ends up, by the time I met Nick, he's reading the Bible, memorizing it. Things that happen in his life. The, the point is, it's not about the man. It's not about the woman. The seed is powerful in and of itself. So are you planting the seeds? Are you scattering seeds to strangers, to family, to disciples, to co-workers, anywhere and everywhere? And as you do that, here's what I want to encourage you. Does that seem like a waste of time to you? You ever felt that way? I'm scattering seeds. And man, I feel like I'm wasting my time. That's the, very, that's the very thing God uses to produce a harvest. It's the very thing He uses. The kingdom of God is like a man who scattered seeds, He says. I scatter the seed of the Word of God. So, so let me ask you, how will you advance the kingdom of God? How will you do that? And here's something I want to say to you. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. What does it say right here? It's like a man scattering seeds. You see the simplicity? It says in our parable, he scatters the seed, it starts growing, and he himself doesn't know how. Don't overthink it. Just imagine somebody with a seed bag over their shoulder, reaching their hand in, and tossing and scattering the seed into places. And this is simple. Anybody can do that. Anybody can scatter a seed. Don't overthink it. Now, do you have to be the wisest person to broadcast seed? No. You don't have to be the strongest person. You don't even have to have a certificate. You can just scatter seed. Think about somebody, bag right here and they're scattering seed. It's a, there's a simplicity to it. I remember 
I remember the guy, a guy that had a, a big impact in my life. A lot of you know him, Randy Phillips, had a big impact in my life. I remember him telling me a story about his kids, and they were planting a garden, okay? And they plant this garden, and, you know, the little kids had a job, and the big kids had a job. Everybody had their own job. But when it came time to plant the seed, he made all the kids do it. Just to get this picture, that the, the little two-year-old, all the way up to the 14-year-old and however old, they put the seed, and, and, and the, it's not like the 14-year-old seed was, just did a real good job because he planted it so well. It's not like that. You look across the garden, and it's been planted by two-year-olds and 14-year-olds, and it just, looks, it, just, it just grows because God does it. The power's in the seed, okay? It's not about how young or old you are in the faith. It's not about how articulate you are. It's not who has the most knowledge or the most experience. Anybody can scatter seeds and therefore anybody can be a laborer in the kingdom of God. Anyone. Have you made this too hard? Have you made kingdom advancing too hard in your mind? The power to save souls and to help Christians grow is not in you. That's what this parable is telling you. It's not in you. The power to save souls is in the word of the gospel. To make men grow, to make women grow is in the word of the gospel. I want, let me give you some other descriptions of the word of God. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire? It's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says the word of God is living and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You hear this about the word of God. Isaiah 55, 11 describes it like rain that comes down and it never returns void. Psalm 19, verse 7 says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of God. And right here in our parable, it's called a seed. It's called a seed. The power to save souls and the power to make Christians grow is not in you. It's in the power of this seed right here. Okay, this is to, this is to illustrate this point in this parable. I, I'll, tell, I'll give you another quick uh, story I remember from Mr. Randy. I remember Randy, the, the guy who had the impact on me. I remember him telling me that one time after they planted those seeds, he gathered his kids around the seeds that they had just planted. And they're in the ground. And he begins to scream at them. Grow! And hit the ground. Grow! Why don't you grow? What do you think his point was? He was trying to get them to see that it's not, you, you can't make it grow. This guy right here, what does he do? He scatters seeds and he goes to sleep. Because you can't do it. You can't make, it, you can't make your seed grow. You can't make this happen. You can't advance the kingdom of God. You just scatter the seeds of God's word, the word of the gospel, and you ask God, you trust God to make this grow. So don't overthink it. A, a farmer does not understand how the crops grow, but he knows he needs to get the seed down. Okay? Steve Lawson, Steve Lawson said it like this. I like this. He said, beware of paralysis by analysis. You understand that? Beware of paralysis by analysis. You analyze it, and you analyze it, but you never do anything because you're trying to analyze. Don't, it's like a man that scatters seeds. The kingdom of God. It's like a man that scatters seeds. Do you know people that do that? They talk a lot about how people are saved. And that's not, I'm not saying it's bad. They spend a lot of time talking about how people are saved, how this goes down, but very little time planting the salvation seed. Or they spend a lot of time talking about how to make disciples and very little time scattering the disciple-producing seed. It's, it's, it's like, I want us to beware of intellectualism. 
Now, I love the intellect. And we're called to love God with all of our mind. But we are to beware of intellectualism that causes us to get it all figured out and never drop the seed. Beware of that. Now, so how? So let me ask one more time. How will you advance the kingdom of God? We're looking at this parable. How will you advance the kingdom of God? Will you come up with the best strategies, the best methods? Will you come up with the best ideas? You can strategize all you want, but ultimately this is about putting seed out, the seed of the gospel, and God makes it grow. So do what then? Trust God. Trust God. Don't overthink it and trust God. This parable that we're looking at right here, it screams the truth. It's not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's God. God gives the increase. So you might say, well, I just don't think I can be used by God to advance his kingdom. Are you saying God can't use his word? Are you saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not powerful enough? Therefore, God needs a really studious high up man to spread it. Is that what you're saying? God can use anybody to scatter his seed. It's not you. It's the seed, the power of the seed that raises dead souls. The power of the seed that gives increase and growth and transforms somebody's life. So you can go ahead and strategize and you can say, this is how I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. But at the very center of your strategy better be seed sowing or it will fail. Please let us never boast in our strategies and our methods and our ideas. Never boast. Listen to Paul. Let's be like him. First Corinthians 3, 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He gave the increase. And listen to this. So neither he who plants or he who, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Those planting and watering, Nothing. It's God who gives the increase. Now, I think I want I want to say those things because I think too often we get too impressed with ourselves and we think we have the best seed sowing strategies, the best ideas. But I think we need to humble ourselves and see this is God. We need to trust God. This parable demands that we do that. This parable demands we look away from ourselves and we look to the Lord of the harvest to give increase as we scatter seeds. Now, we need to trust him from beginning to end. And you see that in our parable right here, right? Verse 28, this picture of, of the blade and then the head. And after that, the full grain in the head. You see this picture of sanctification, this picture of growth of individuals or of the kingdom of God. God does every single bit of that. And we must trust him. And one day, the Lord of the harvest will put down the sickle and the harvest will come and all our seed sowing will be done. Now, Second parable, verse 30 and 31, 30 through 32. This is the mustard seed parable, okay? So, so we've talked about the kingdom of God, your role. It's like a man scattering seed. And now we come to this parable. Let me read it quickly. Verse 30. To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Okay, so this right here, okay, so I want you to think about this for a second. When this right here, when it says the other parables have said the seed is like what? The seed is what in the other parables? It's the word of God, right? It's the word of the gospel. And then you get to this parable and what does he say the seed is? This mustard seed is what? 
It's the kingdom of God. So you have a little change here. Look, look at verse 30. What shall we like in the kingdom of God? And he says, it's like a mustard seed. So here the seed is now talking about the word of God. The seed is the kingdom itself. So think about this. Think about this. We've learned from the first parable the different responses in the kingdom of God. The four souls, and you have different responses that people give in the kingdom of God. That's in the first parable. Dustin taught that one. And in the third parable right here, we learn what we just talked about. This, our role in advancing the kingdom of God. Scattering seeds. Don't overthink it. Trust God. And then right here in this third parable, or this fourth, this last parable, when we're talking about this, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he gives us a great encouragement. Don't miss it. This is a great encouragement right here. It's the surety, the surety of kingdom advancement, the surety of kingdom expansion. And what, what I mean by that is the kingdom of God will advance. It will advance. And all nations, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue will bow down joyfully to King Jesus. In fact, it's like a mustard seed. It starts very, very small. Very small. And it grows up so large that birds can nest under its shade. This is, like, this is what the kingdom is like. It will do this. It's like a mustard seed. The gospel will succeed is what you should hear here. The church of Jesus Christ will be built. And it will, He will have an all-nations bride. World missions will not fail. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. It will happen, he says. It's like a mustard seed. It starts small. Maybe it looks small to you now, but it's going to grow like this big plant that even birds can nest under its shade, under shade. This should be, I mean, how encouraging is that to you? As you think about your role, I'm a seed scatterer. How encouraging is this next parable that that thing for which you labor, that kingdom for which you labor will increase. It will grow because God's going to make it happen. And people from every nation on earth will worship Jesus. This is an encouraging thing. This, this would have been an incredible encouragement for 12 disciples. Think about it. 12 disciples from Galilee. They're sitting there and they're hearing these things and they know that he's a king and there's a kingdom. And he dies for their sins. That kind of throws them off. This would have been a great encouragement that, hey, this kingdom, it will succeed. It's like a mustard seed. It may look small to you now, but it's going to grow large, very large. This would have been an encouragement to them. This makes me think of, do you remember Daniel chapter 2? Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And there's this big statue. This massive statue, and it represents the different kingdoms that come through this earth. This, this massive statue. And then this, this stone. It says a stone comes out, and it hits the base of that statue and destroys the statue. And after it does that, listen to this. Listen to Daniel 2.35. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Interpretation. Jesus is the stone. It's like, it's like a mustard seed, but it's going to be large. You see that? It strikes the kingdoms. He's the king of all kings, and he will rule all nations. It most definitely will happen, and it'll happen gradually. And we see this, right? It's exactly what's happened over the last 2,000 years. It's exactly what's happened. We're, we're not from the Middle East. We're over here, and we love Jesus, and we've gathered together in his name. You see it happening? The Lord's right. The kingdom of heaven it's like a mustard seed, okay? So, so how does this make you feel? You hear this. It's like a 
It will, the surety of kingdom growth, the surety will most definitely grow. All nations. How does this make you feel? How does this affect your actions? And I want to give you a verse. Go, go with me to Acts 18. Let's flip to Acts 18. I want you to hear something that happened with Paul and think through how this made him feel and how this made him act. And then we're going to turn it in on ourselves, okay? Acts 18. Verse 9. Imagine this. Verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. So here's Paul. He's in Corinth. So Paul's in Corinth. And the Lord speaks to him and he says, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. So, Paul, keep scattering seeds, Paul. Just don't, don't get quiet. Keep scattering the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just, just keep scattering it. Don't be afraid. Why? And one of the reasons, he says, because I've got many people here. Who do you think that did to him? He's in Corinth and God says, I got a bunch of people here. There's people that are going to be saved. There's people that are going to be saved here. They're going to, be, they're going to come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They're going to come into my kingdom. And he says, so, so since they're here, you just keep preaching. You keep scattering seed. What do you think this did to his confidence? What do you think this did to his confidence as he, as he scattered seed? What do you think it did to his joy? People will be saved here. I'm not wasting my time scattering seed here. People will be saved. People will come into the kingdom of God. Not because of us, but because of the powerful seed and sovereign Lord Jesus. It will happen. And how do you think this affected Paul's actions? Paul, keep preaching. Keep scattering seed because I've got many people here. And so what did he do? Verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So how should, the, how should the truth, this truth, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And it will grow. And it will get large so that even birds can nest under its shade. And it will, how should that truth affect you? Be confident. Not in yourself, right? But in Christ Jesus and His purposes and His precious seed. Trust Him. Joyfully scatter seeds like Paul here in Acts 8.11. He spent a year and six months there teaching the Word of God among them. The end has already been determined. The end has already been determined. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's going to grow. It's already been determined. Listen to Revelation 7.9. We get a glimpse. We're about to get a glimpse here into heaven. Listen, this has already been determined. I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hands, and here's all this, this all nations bride. And what are they doing? What are they doing? It says, they're crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As you look into the future and you see that it is going to happen, does it fire you up to scatter seeds? Let it fire you up. Let me give you one more little thought on this parable. One more little thought. Do you get the feeling from this parable that God likes to start small? You get that feeling? It's like a mustard seed. Smallest little seed becomes the largest in the garden. 
You get the feeling that God likes to start small. What about other places in the scripture, like creation of humans? God could have just, you know, he told them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God wanted to fill the earth with his image and his glory. So he could have just, boom, and like billions of people on earth. But he didn't do that. He started with two. He told them to be fruitful, have children, have children, have children, on and on. This, you think God maybe wants to start small? You think he likes that? Maybe that's his ways. What about the nation of Israel? He could have picked another nation. He could have just, boom, there's a nation into existence. But he starts with Abraham, who has a son named Isaac. And then has a son named Jacob. And Jacob has 12. And it just goes on. And eventually they become this great nation. Do you get the feeling God likes to start small? What about the church? Jesus and his, his small crew. And eventually they turn the world upside down. Do you get that? The kingdom of God, a mustard seed, starting small, becomes this large thing. And I want you to just think, just try to, what about, does God like to do that? Well, what about your ministry? What about your seed scattering? You think maybe God would do the same thing? Do not despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Are you faithfully sowing the seed of God's word into the hearts of men and women? Just like a farmer. Plant seeds into lost hearts. Plant seeds into saved hearts. Co-workers, friends, family, strangers. Sowing the seed in the hearts of children, whatever. Sowing the seeds in the hearts of people you disciple. And do you believe God will use this for His glory? That He'll start small and He'll use it to advance and expand His kingdom. Trust Him. What did the first parable say? It said, He went to sleep and then the seed began to sprout and grow. The parable is about growth. God did that. Trust Him. It's like a mustard seed. It starts small, but it will grow large. That's your ministry. What about our church? What about our church? You get the feeling God likes to start small. Do you believe that God will use a little church like Grace Community Church, like this church, to expand His kingdom tremendously? Do you believe God will do that? I think it's just the kind of thing that God would do. I think about the story of Gideon. You know, Gideon, Judges 6 and 7, God took the weakest man from the weakest family to raise up the weakest army for His glory. You read Judges 7 too, and the army at one point was too big, and God said, God said, the people that you have are too many for me to deliver your enemy into your hands, lest you guys claim glory for yourself. So what did He do? He Push that army numbers on down. God, God took the weakest man out of the weakest family to raise up the weakest army, and He did it so that in all things He would be glorified. I think that's the kind of thing God wants to do. So brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. It's like a man scattering seed. Anybody can scatter seed. Don't be discouraged. And I really want to say it. Don't be discouraged. Listen, I asked a brother, I asked a brother, I think a couple days ago, I just said this. I said, I said, excuse me, brother. Uh, and I know this brother real well. I said, this verse says the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seeds. I said, does that bring you comfort? Or does that feel like a burden to you? Like I'm not scattering enough seeds. I asked him that question. And he felt like it was, it's more of a burden. When he thinks about that passage, it was more of a burden. I'm just not scattering enough seeds. Let me encourage you. That's not the point. The point is to say the kingdom of God is not, it's not like rocket science. Your role is not like rocket. It's just like somebody scattering seed and anybody can do that. God wants to encourage you in that. To be a laborer in His kingdom. 
So be encouraged by that and trust God as you as you take God's seed and you liberally just everywhere and you intentionally being very intentional about it. Just just scatter the seed of God's word. Trust him. Just trust him. He gives increase. That's what God does. And let me close with one more verse. Isaiah chapter 61. You can flip there with me. Isaiah 61. And what this verse does. This verse kind of takes our two parables. And it just kind of mashes them together into one sentence. Isaiah 61, 11. It's going to take our two parables and mash them together in one sentence. So I'm going to give you this to end on, to summarize. Verse 11. Isaiah 61, 11. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Did you hear it? God, our Lord, will, He will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. I mean, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's going to grow large. Okay? And how does He do it according to this verse? He says, it's like a garden. This is like a garden. You just put seeds in the garden and God makes this thing grow. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seeds. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would take your word. Lord, I thank you for giving us these words and meaning to encourage us and meaning to build us up. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that for every person here, God, that's dealing with discouragement over ministry or over seed sowing or whatever it might be, God, help them. Help them to see, Lord, that it's not them. Help us all to see, God, to never be too impressed with ourselves. Help us, God. Help us to trust you, Lord. Teach us, God. Teach us to scatter your seed and just trust you. And God, I just pray that you, you would bring glory to your name. That you would exalt yourself, God. That you would show yourself faithful to these words, Lord, as we just scatter seeds. And you and your sovereign power, God, would cause increase to come. And the souls will be saved. Disciples will be made. That we'd impact the nations for your glory. God, I praise you that you are so powerful that you can say you will be exalted among the nations. That there's not a question in your mind, God. And I pray you do the same with us, that you'd encourage our souls and that we'd be full of faith and never have a question that you are advancing your kingdom and you'll advance it to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.